0: let's pray and then we're going to wrap up this A Better Way series. God my prayer today is that you and you alone would speak to our hearts today through your word. Nobody that came here today needs to hear anything from Steve Ferris. We all need to hear from a holy God who loves us and has a plan for our lives and that's our desire today God is that you would be so real and so clear in what you want to say to our hearts today, God. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we are, we're wrapping up this series today called A Better Way. And what we do is once a year or so, we set aside five weeks to drill deep on our core values. We have five core values that drive the heart of our church. These are the foundational principles of who we feel like God has called us to be. If you zoom out to the very uh, highest altitude, our mission as a church here in Northeast Colorado Springs and beyond is this to share the life-changing love of Jesus Christ with lost and hurting people. And and we believe lost and hurting covers everybody. Everybody that's walking around here and breathing air in our city, that covers everybody. And so our mission, our job as a church, is to share with those people the life-changing love of Jesus Christ uh, and, and we put that word life-changing in there because we believe this, we believe when you bump into Jesus, when you encounter him, when you meet Jesus, it ought to change you. And so it's not just the love of Jesus, it's the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, for the last several weeks, we've been unpacking these values one at a time, and you could kind of see these values as what we consider the most important things to our organization, but hopefully also to our individual lives. And they go like this. We started in week one with biblical authority, and we basically just sum that up by asking this question. Do you really believe that God's way for your life is better? Because that that really kind of boils down the whole human dilemma right? We, we have this holy God who loves us, wants to know us, wants to have a relationship with us, but also has a, a perfect, good plan for our lives. But we go through our lives as human beings, uh, that, that moment between, uh, uh, our, you know, our adolescence and our funeral, where we go like this, do I really trust God with everything? Or do I need to still keep control of some things in my life and so so we said you know what if you will base your life on biblical authority, and put your, every decision you make, every area of your life under the microscope of what does God's word say, it will not only lead to a relationship with Jesus Christ and eternity in heaven, but it leads to a better way of life right now in 2017, what you're doing in every area of your life. And then, then we, uh, next we talked about intentional outreach, and we basically said it would be silly for us to think, that we as a church should gather here every day, but keep it a secret from everyone else, right? We, we have this amazing news that there's a Jesus Christ who, who died for us and loves us and, and wants to know us. Why wouldn't we spread that with as many people as we can? We talked about Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, which is the famous verse that most Christians call the Great Commission. And, and it says, go therefore... And make disciples and, and our par- paraphrase for that is go find lost and hurting people and point them to Jesus and 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 the 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 sticking point in that passage is this there's never a moment in that passage in Matthew 28 where God goes okay that's enough don't tell anybody else right like like we're supposed to share it with everybody and and, and one of the mistakes we make uh, as Christians is we think that's the church's job If you have REV or doctor in front of your name or you have a seminary degree or you're the pastor of a church, well, that's their job. That's wrong actually, that if that's what somebody taught you, they taught you wrong. The Bible actually says that my job as your pastor is to equip and motivate you to go find lost and hurting people and point them to Jesus. And so it's not just something that the church should be doing, it's something that you, the church, should be doing in every area of your life, every single day. Looking around with your radar on, your lost and hurting people radar on and going, who needs to hear the hope that I have living inside of me? And so, so it, that's why we say it's got to be intentional outreach, not accidental outreach. We've got to be on purpose, reaching out to the community and sharing the good news with them. Then we talked about authentic relationships and how um, we need each other, right? We say this all the time here at the Bridge Fellowship. You need other people and other people need you. And we don't need relationships where we all fake like we got our junk together because we don't. None of us do, including this guy right here. And what we've got to do is open ourselves up and say, this is who I really am. This is what I'm really struggling with. And by the way, I could use some help. This is really heavy and I can't carry it all on my own. And so we want to—we want the bridge to be a place where people can hear the love of Jesus Christ and, and, and accept that. But we also want this place to be uh, an environment where you can find authentic relationships, people that will be what we call your two o'clock in the morning friends where when your life is blowing up and and falling apart and and you're struggling, you need people, the people that you would call would be sitting in this room or sitting in your life group and and that's a desire we have. And then last week we talked about gifted service and how uh, whether you realize it or not, whether somebody told you different when you were growing up or not, you are gifted. You have certain gifts, talents, abilities that you can use to help other people bump into Jesus, and we call it your spiritual shape, your God-given shape, and that, that, that acrostic shape stands for spiritual gifts, your heart, what you love to do, your abilities, what you're good at, because you're good at something, uh, your personality, how God's wired you, and then your life experiences. That's the good, bad, and the ugly, because listen to me. I don't know what you've been through in your life, and you don't know everything I've been through, but here's what we can all agree on this morning is that whatever it is you've been through in your life, good, bad, ugly, God never intended to waste that. He wants to use that to impact somebody else's life, and that's why we say we need to use our God-given shape, you, including you. We, 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 We came down hard last week saying basically this, stop sitting and soaking, get involved, use your gifts, because when you sit and soak, you sour, right? And, and, and God has things inside of you that he wants to use to encourage somebody else. And, and that, that basically brings us to this week. Before I do that, I want to call a timeout real quick and give you one more commercial Uh, Next Sunday, September 24th, we are kicking off a brand new series that I am so excited and, and to be honest, a little nervous about. It's called Bulletproof, and it's a series on biblical manhood. And yes, men, we're going there. Ladies, we're going there. And, And I believe that God has laid on my heart that we need to spend the next month talking about this question. What does the Bible say I should look like as a man? Because ever since I was a little boy, people have been telling me a a real man does this or a real man doesn't do this. And we want to know what does the Bible say? And so my encouragement for you men is don't miss one week. If you you got four weeks in a row that you can be here and not miss, these are the four that you do not want to miss. Don't check out on me, man. Don't don't think that I'm going to get up here and beat you up every week because that's not the, the idea. I hope that you'll be encouraged. I hope that you'll be inspired and you'll be able to grasp a hold of this idea of biblical manhood and go, I can do that. I, I, can, I can do what he's saying. That, that seems realistic in my life. And, and, and the reason we're calling this series Bulletproof is because men, from the time we we're little boys, we're taught to at least act. Even if we're not really this, we're taught to act as if we're bulletproof right? You fall down when you're a kid. Hey, get back up. No, no, boy, big boys don't cry, right? Uh, you know, if, if we're having a struggle in life, our, we've been taught all of our life, hey, hey, don't let people see you sweat. You got to act like you got your stuff together, man, or people won't respect you. You know what people respect? Honesty. And the honest truth is, is life is really hard being a, a biblical man in 2017. We want to take a look at that. And ladies, please don't check out, because there are principles that we're going to talk about that apply to you, but even more so whether you're looking for a man, uh, you have a man, you have young boys in your life, whatever it is, okay? And, and listen, maybe one will walk in. Maybe this is your week. I don't know, okay? Uh, uh, but listen to me, okay? we We believe that Women are going to be some of the most grateful people of this because every man in your life that comes and listens to this series, hopefully we're all starting this with this one. We're going to be better men. Okay, so let's wrap up this uh, A Better Way series, uh, and and we. Are calling it a better way again because most of these five weeks we've been studying this sermon that Jesus preached over 2,000 years ago on the side of a mountain called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew's five, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 and in this sermon Jesus talks about a whole lot of things. I mean you name it, every area of your life, your finances, your relationships, your marriage, sex, all, all kinds of stuff. He covers all all genres of life in this message but the overriding truth that he was trying to get through to us was this and those people sitting on the mountain that, that, that day is that hey you've heard it taught this way in other words hey you may have thought it was like this but I'm here to teach you another way or a better way and, and so he didn't just come live on this earth uh, live a perfect life, die on the cross, raise again on the the third day so that you can go to heaven. And, And we're glad he did that. And that is part of it, but that's not the whole reason that he came. He came, I believe, we believe scripture teaches to give you and me a better life, a better way of living right now, today. Even, listen, even in the midst of the struggles that you're walking through right now today. Every one of us walked in here with heavy stuff in our backpacks. We carry it around every day. And if we're not careful, we fall into the trap of, because of that, there's no way I can have a good life. There's no way life can be better with all the crap that I'm dealing with in my life right now. And that's not true. Jesus said, because of what I'm teaching you, there's a better way. And, and, and here's what I believe. I, I think the reason he was teaching this in Matthew five, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 was because people back then, just like today, they got in their minds this uh, improper, imperfect view of who God was and what life was supposed to look like in this world. It's like somebody fed us bad information and we bought it and then we live the rest of our lives thinking, well, that must be who God is or that must be who God thinks I am. It's kind of like when you're growing up and you hear a song on the radio and you think it says one thing, right? Even though those aren't the correct lyrics, you spend your whole life singing those lyrics as if that's how you're supposed to do, right? I'll give you an example. I brought a song this morning. We're going to play about 30 seconds of it and I think you'll understand what I'm trying to say. Let's let's play it. Here we go, David. Come on. That's right. Control yourselves, okay? All right. Listen closely. We got the words on the screen for you. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a douche, another runner in the night. what it's saying right here okay and 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 here's here's the crazy thing about this song apparently revved up like a deuce is talking about a car unfortunately i've spent the last 30 years of my life singing about feminine hygiene products (laughs) right and i have a feeling i'm not the only one okay what has to happen is you have to, you have to zero in and go, what is really being said in this song, right? That's why I believe Jesus spent the time in Matthews 5, 6, and 7 talking about, hey, I know you may have been taught this way, but I'm here to tell you what life is really like because I think some of us go through life settling for a bad definition of Jesus or God or how he views us right? We, we, we get so bad information and we buy it. That's why this final core value here at the bridge is so important and it's called excellent environments. Okay, now we define excellent environments this way because I, do, I don't want you to misunderstand what we're trying to say here today. We believe excellent environments is this. We, we believe it's our responsibility to build bridges. See what we did there? Create environments. Build bridges or create environments that help people connect with Jesus so that he can change their lives like he has or is our own lives. Right? That, that's we believe that 's our responsibility, and, and let me let me stop for a minute and explain why we think that 's the church 's responsibility and anybody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ and carries around the hope of the living God inside of them, we believe it 's our responsibility because nothing else in this world can give you the the peace, joy, hope, purpose, and strength that a relationship with God can, nothing else like you know people. You live by them. You're related to them. You might even be married to them or, or you work in the cubicle next to them or whatever it is. People look in all kinds of ways in this world to satisfy that empty hole inside of them that says, I want some hope. I, in, in, this, in this messy, broken world around me, I want to know that there's something real and true that I can hold on to forever. Like, everybody is searching for that. And unfortunately, people look in all the wrong places. And it, it, it leaves them wanting more and empty inside and then they just chase after the next thing and the next thing and it makes our lives more and more broken. And here's the crazy thing. We as the church, and you are part of the church, not just the Bridge Fellowship, but the church of Jesus Christ, we carry the hope. We carry the greatest message, the most life-changing message of anyone in the entire world. Why would we settle for a bad version of that in fact let me let me reword that listen to me don't miss this we can't afford a bad version of that now let me define what we mean by excellence before you you start thinking we're worshiping performance or excellence here's our definition of excellence doing the very best we can with the resources that we have and that doesn't just go for the bridge fellowship here that goes in your life Whatever area of your life God has entrusted you with, your job, your family, your home, your neighbors, whatever that is, it is your responsibility to do the very best job you can of giving people an accurate picture of who Jesus is. That's, that's your responsibility, nobody else's. Like sometimes we try to push it off on the church or push it off on other people or we even might say this, hey, you know what? I'm just trying to keep my nose above water right now. I don't have time to make a difference in other people's lives. I'm, I don't have the energy to carry the message of Jesus Christ with me right now. I, I have bad news for you. It's actually good news, but it might be bad news if that's how you're feeling. Even on your worst day, if you're a believer, if you've handed over the keys of your life to Jesus Christ, you are carrying that message whether you like it or not. Everywhere you go, you're carrying it. And it's your responsibility as a believer to give the best picture you can of who Jesus is. So believe it or not, on that mountainside that, uh, that day when Jesus was preaching this Sermon on the Mount, He actually speaks to this idea of being excellent. And, and I want to show it to you. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 7. And uh, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today, and here's what the Bible says. These are Jesus' words, okay? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or, and now he's going to do a metaphor here, okay? He's not speaking literally, but he's making an example here. Verse 9, he says, Or, which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a rock. Or if he asks you for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, uh, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Now, here's the deal. I'm going to break that down in just a second, but I, I don't want to forget to say this this morning. When we're talking about this core value of excellence, we are not, Listen to me. We are not throwing rocks at other churches. I am so tired of living in a world of Christianity where we view other churches speaking about the same living God as our competition or somebody that's an annoyance to us. Okay? So... We're we're not throwing rocks because people don't do it like we do. We got to do us like we feel like God has called us to do us, right? And and our job for other churches, and I'm talking about Bible-believing churches that are teaching Jesus, our job is to encourage them, pray for them, and help them any way we can. Are we clear on that? Okay, all right, And, and you'll see why, okay? We believe, look at this on the screen, we believe that the Bridge Fellowship... And everybody who identifies with this as their church should be a place where anyone can ask, seek, or knock. Okay? Now again, I'm not, I'm not speaking about specific individual churches. I'm, I'm going to talk about the church here for a second. All over the world, people who identify themselves as followers of Christ, we stink at this. Because here's the way we act. We say with our lips, hey, anyone can ask, seek, and knock. Anyone, Just come as you are. It's okay. But the way we treat people sometimes is the opposite of that. Because what we're really saying under our breath is this. Hey, act like I act. Think like I think. Look like I look. If you'll do those things, then you gain my approval. But if you don't do those things, if you're different, if you don't get it right, if your life is still messy and you're still taking one step forward and three steps back, then you're more of an annoyance to me than you are my brother or sister. And, and, and listen to me, if that's how you're living your life, you're living your life in opposition to what God's Word says, right? Anyone, Jesus says, who asks, the door should be open and knocks and all that, okay? So, so again, We, the church, the Bridge Fellowship, you you and I as individuals, carry the only message in the world that is truly life-changing and eternal, okay? We can't afford to be mediocre in anything that we do, and that doesn't just go for what happens in this building on Sundays, though that's included, Okay? And and listen to me, we have a staff and we have this amazing team of volunteers that you need to get involved in that work really hard to make sure this is a safe, comfortable environment for people to check out Jesus and get to know him more. And and listen to me, we're never going to be perfect, but we strive to be the very best we can with the resources that we've been given. That's our job here on Sunday mornings, but it goes farther than that. Listen, it applies to every area of your life. We cannot be a, afford to be mediocre in our job, with our neighbors, how we compete, how we treat other people, and how we take care of the things that God has given us, okay? Now, this whole idea of ask, seek, and not, let me break it down a little further. Look at this. The, we believe, based on what Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 7 that the Bridge Fellowship Church should be a place where anyone who asks receives. The Bridge Fellowship should be a place where anyone who seeks can find. And we believe that the Bridge Fellowship should be a place where anyone, anyone, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're struggling with in their life, anyone who knocks is welcome to come in here. And it's not the kind of welcome where we go, oh, hello, welcome today. And then we walk away and go, did you see that person? They're really weird. That? And you know, I, I know them. They work at my business and they have this and they're dealing with this. And, 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 and that's not welcoming. We're talking about genuinely getting close to people, looking them in the eye and going, you genuinely matter to me. Like, for real, you matter. The comparison that Jesus is making in in the second half of this passage, Matthew chapter 7, 9, 10, and 11. And he did this all the time. He's really good at it. He would take something very complex like God stuff and compare it to something earthly that would be easy for us to understand. And that's what he's doing here. And what he's saying is this ask, seek, and knock thing is kind of like the relationship between a parent and a child. So let's look at it again. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, and, and let's slow down for a minute. Here's what it says. Now, which one of you, if his son or daughter asked him for bread, would give him a rock? Now that makes no sense. No no good parent in the world, you know what, no mediocre or, or below average parent, if their kid asked for some bread, would hand them a stone or a rock. No parent would do that. What Jesus is saying is that doesn't make sense, right? And of course it doesn't make sense, and he goes on, another example. Or if your child asked for a fish, who would give him a snake instead? You know what? If a parent did that today we would we would probably call DHS right we would go yeah there's a parent who's feeding their kids snakes instead you know it just like in our minds we're like that's crazy talk we would never do that and so here's the payoff here's what Jesus says if you then who are evil and I'll explain that in a minute before you get your feelings hurt okay because yes he's calling you evil okay and I'll I'll come back to it he says If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, I want want to call time out before we explain this evil thing. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there are probably people sitting in this room today or people connected to you and they are not convinced God is looking out for their best interest. They're not sure that He's all good because they look at the circumstances of their lives and they look at the things that they've been handed and they're going, I asked for this and I got this and you want me to admit that your God is good? That's hard and I don't want to skip over that real quickly so that so that everybody thinks that I'm just trying to sugarcoat it because that's hard. Listen, Making it, un- making it make sense between the difficult circumstances we're facing and the good God that we serve that loves us and has a plan for our lives is messy. It's hard. And that's where this thing called faith comes in. That's where you believe what God's Word says. And you have to hang on to the hope that says, even on my darkest day, when life makes no sense, I trust that you are good. And that your plan is still intact. That, that's faith. That, that's what we're shooting for. Now, now let me go back. And, and so, so listen to me today. I'm not skimming over whatever it is you're going through. But please don't walk out of here today thinking God is insensitive, inattentive, or doesn't care about what you're going through. He not only cares, he knew it was going to happen before you ever had any idea. And he wants to use it for your good and the good of other people. So we have to grasp that in our lives and stop feeling sorry for ourselves and pointing the finger of blame at God and going, See, I knew I shouldn't have followed you because all I get for serving you and giving my tithe to the church and being nice to people and trying to do what the Bible says, this is what you give me in return? It's a wrong view of who God is. He loves you. He he does have your best interests in mind. Now, let's go back to the part where he calls you evil. Now that we've said how good he is, okay? Here's what's happening. When Jesus says, you who are evil, he is talking about us. But he's not literally calling you evil like we think of as this sinister person, okay? What he's saying is, paraphrase, Steve's paraphrase, hey, even you who are broken and imperfect, unlike my Heavenly Father... You guys that don't always get it right, you guys that make mistakes, and, and while we're on the topic, anybody ever in here blown it as a parent? Right? Duh. Right? Like, like, and, and, and listen to me, there are moments during the course of raising our girls that I have have acted hastily, lost my temper, been irresponsible, and I go off by myself and guilt starts to pour over me and I think to myself, I can't believe these children haven't run away yet. Right? (laughs) Like, I am a terrible father. Okay? That's what Jesus is talking about is he knows we're not going to get it right every time. And that's why the statement that he makes after that is all the more powerful. He goes like this, if you then who are not perfect parents, would never give your child a rock when they ask for bread. You would never give your child a snake if they ask for fish. Then how much more, if you ask for something good from your Heavenly Father, why in the world would He give them something less than good? Okay? So, there's a dual message here this morning. you got to trust in the goodness of God no matter what your circumstances here on life are. Okay? I'm just telling you, on earth. you got to trust Him. But the other part is, we, the church, represent God. So you could enter into this statement this. Why would we, the church of our Heavenly Father, ever give mediocre or below average things to those who are kicking tires and seeking the answers that we hold in our own heart? Why why would we ever do that? Here's the answer. We shouldn't. It makes no sense Because we carry the hope that can change people's lives. Here's some examples. Some you'll like, some you won't. Email God. Number one Sunday mornings here at church, okay? It makes no sense that we would open the doors of a church and have greeters who are unfriendly. It it makes no sense that we would offer bridge kids care during church and have cranky or irresponsible volunteers. It makes no sense. It would make no sense if we're trying to connect people with Jesus Christ and get them to understand that the hope that's available to them can happen right now in 2017 in the midst of all the scary and messy circumstances that they're going through. Why would we ever get up here and have bad music or bad teaching? That would be like giving them a rock when they ask for bread. Why would we ever do that? And listen to me. It's not like we beat ourselves up when we make mistakes because Jesus said himself in Matthew 7, you who are evil, you who are not perfect, we are not a perfect church. We are never going to be a perfect church. In fact, listen to me. That's not even our goal. Our goal is to do the very best we can with the resources we have. So, by the way, Sunday morning, that was easy because that one's on me. Okay? Your life groups. It makes no sense that we would have leaders who don't genuinely care about the people in their groups. It just makes no sense. It, it makes no sense that we would have Bible studies that are hard to understand when we're trying to teach people something as important as a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it makes no sense that we would have group members who are selfish or unfriendly to new people that come to their groups. It would be like giving a snake when someone asks for fish. Makes sense so far? Good. Now here comes the hard part. It makes no sense... If we are trying to get our neighbors to understand who this Jesus is that we serve so that they can have a relationship with him just like we do, so that he can change our, their lives just like he has ours, it makes no sense that we would be the impersonal, solitary neighbors who never get out and mingle with those that live near us. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense, and, and you, you think I'm stepping on toes now, hang on, it makes no sense That we would be the people who don't take care of our yards and don't help take care of other people's yards and don't make sure our neighborhood looks beautiful. And and it makes no sense that we would be the one sending a message of laziness or lack of excellence if we're going to then turn around to those same neighbors and say, come and see what God is doing in my life through this place called Bridge Fellowship and through this person called Jesus Christ. It just makes no sense. And I know what some of you are saying, did you just go there and tell me I should take better care of my yard? Sure did. (laughs) You know why? Because listen to me, when people drive by your yard or your house or your family and they see how you act or see how it looks, they are making a direct correlation, fair or not, with this message that you keep talking about of how you love Jesus Christ and how he's made a difference in your life. Because when we're not living it, here's what lost people say. I I tell you guys this all the time. One of the gifts that God gave me as a believer is for some reason after 33 years of following Jesus Christ, I remember like it was yesterday what it feels like to be lost and skeptical of the things of God. I just remember. It, it, It was a long time ago, but it feels like yesterday. And here's what they think. When they see you living a life of mediocrity, whether it's in your own affairs, the things that God has entrusted you with, or how you treat them. People look at you and go, why on earth would I bother with this God thing they're talking about if that's how they live? I can do that without God. Right? I know, isn't this fun? Okay. Secondly, it makes no sense to go to work and be lazy, and cut corners, and gossip behind people's backs if we're then going to turn to those same coworkers, workers invite them here to hear this life-changing message of Jesus Christ. It, it makes no sense that we would do that. That's why you, and, and I know what you think, when I say this sometimes, you think I'm joking. I'm not. Please don't be that jerk employee at your office that's stirring up drama and that doesn't help other people and doesn't work their best and then invite people to the Bridge Fellowship and tell them you're a part of this church. You are not helping the cause of the gospel when you do that. That's, that's what this passage in Matthew 7 is talking about. It's saying, do your best in every area of your life. How about this one? You think I didn't get messy enough already? We'll end on this one. Your own family. It makes no sense for us to tell our children, hey, get up, we're going to church today and we need to go hear about Jesus and then you as a parent or as a spouse live like hell selfishly the rest of the week. Why would we do that? It, it's sending wrong messages to our kids. In fact, we had some of our staff had this conversation yesterday uh, on, on the way home. We ran a race up in Larkspur and we were coming home we had this conversation. This right here is why so many kids, as soon as they're of age, they bolt from the church. They bail. Because they've been getting mixed messages all their life. Like, hey, follow Jesus, do this. But then they're watching their parents and their parents' friends live like the devil all week long. And it's like... I thought you said this was supposed to change my life. Yours hasn't changed. Now now listen to me. I I don't have a big old hammer up here that says guilt, okay? I'm not trying to beat you up with guilt today. I'm trying to tell all of us, starting with me, that we have an enormous responsibility with the message that we've been given. to, To be a light in a dark world. In fact, Here's how we word it, okay? And this is how we sum it up, and that's a lot, so feel free to take a picture, okay? And we're going to read one more passage and pretty much be done, okay? Here it is. Getting people to understand who Jesus really is and trust him with every area of their lives is hard enough already. We shouldn't make it harder by creating barriers between people in our community and the Jesus who can save them. Instead, we should build bridges that make it easy for people to connect to Jesus this is the goal of the church it's not just some idea that Steve Ferris came up with because he was bored and had heartburn one day okay this is the message of the gospel this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7 don't make it harder for people to get to Jesus make it easier because it's already hard Don't add to the difficulty, take it away, make it easier. That's why earlier in this talk on the side of the mountain in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this, verse 14, you, he's talking about you and me, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it on a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And this is what he said. Remember, he's giving an example, something everybody understands. Light. We know light, a little bit of light makes a big difference in a dark room, right? And here's what he's saying. In the same way, verse 16, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, here's Steve's paraphrase. Look on the screen. In every area of your life, live in such a way that people feel safe to kick the tires on Jesus. Live your life in such a way that people watch you and want the same hope that you have. I know that's not easy sometimes. I know that sometimes you get out of bed and you throw this huge bag of junk over your back and you're like, I gotta carry this all day and I'm supposed to look like I got my act together and everything's happy? No, the opposite. Just let people... Listen, let people know you're struggling. Let them see the authenticity in your life and the messiness of your life. But then marry it with this hope and peace that only comes from knowing that in the midst of that, God is good and still has a plan for my life. That's all. Nobody's asking you to wear a red cape with a big S on your chest. Right? Right? That, that's, listen to me, you do a crappy job of that anyway. In fact, you know how we know most of us do a crappy job of that? Because that's how we try to do it. We try to walk through life going, I got this. Oh, how you, how you doing, Steve? Oh, I'm, I'm blessed, man, I'm blessed. When inside, I'm like, my life is awful right now. Like, tell them the truth, but then point them to the reason that you're not losing hope. That's all. So again, back, back to this definition of excellence. Doing the very best we can with the resources we've been given. Now remember, I told you this, okay? Our goal as a church, as a church family, is never to be perfect. We're not going to do that. But here is our goal. Our goal at the Bridge Fellowship is to make it easy for people to bump into Jesus. Our goal is in every area of our lives to be a good and fair representation of who Jesus is and how he changed our lives. Our goal is to love and care for people in such a way that they look at our church and our individual lives and say, they have something I don't have. I got to find out what that is. So we end like this. Why? Like, like why make such a fuss over excellence? And and listen, when we sit around staff meeting table on Tuesdays, every one of these staff members in this room and beyond today will tell you, I push hard for us to never settle for mediocrity. It doesn't mean that I pound my fist and go, why aren't we perfect? I push us to do the very best we can with the resources we've been given to create environments where people can meet Jesus. That's the driving force in my life, and I'm never going to apologize for it, and it's never going to change. That's who God has called me to be. And, and part of that, his calling on my life, is to motivate you to be that in your own life. Just because you don't work at a church doesn't mean that responsibility doesn't lie on your shoulders just as, just as it lies on mine. It does. You were saved so that you can go tell other people how to find Jesus. And it goes like this. Band, you guys can come on. 33 years ago, I was a high school student. And this is how I would describe my life. Look right here. Empty, anybody relate? My life was empty, angry, and lonely. And I was looking all over to try to find an answer to a remedy for those things. Like I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to be empty and lonely and I, I wanted something to fix that. And so I tried popularity like so many of us do. I tried being a skilled athlete, thinking, man, if I, if I can just be the best athlete, then I'll feel great about myself and all these problems will go away. The problem is, I attained both of those things. I was popular, I was a decent high school athlete, but the emptiness and anger and loneliness stayed. They didn't go away. And I found myself going, well, the math's not working, there's something missing. And even though when I would go out and be with my friends, I was the life of the party, when the lights were out and no everybody was gone, nobody around but me, and I laid my head down on the pillow at night, I thought, there's got to be more. And then somebody told me this. I'm just going to tell you like they told me. 2,000 years ago, God sent His only Son. Because God knew That there was a gap between us sinners and a holy God. And that gap was filled with sin. Because we were imperfect, we could not have a relationship with a perfect God. This God that wants to give us a hope and a future, we couldn't have that relationship because of the sin in our lives. So, God sent Jesus, His only Son. It's a pretty expensive gift to send, your only child, right? He sent His only Son to die in our place. He lived a perfect life and then he climbed up on a cross and he went like this, hey all the bad stuff that all those people sitting at the bridge fellowship have ever done or ever will do, all the mistakes, all the sins that anybody in northeast Colorado Springs would ever commit, all of the the ugly parts, the darkest parts of every person's life in this entire world, when my son Jesus climbs up on that cross and spreads out his arms, I'm gonna heap all of that on top of him so they don't have to pay what they really deserve the, the big churchy word for that is propitiation it means substitute it means that you should be paying for your sins and so should I but God so loved us that he sent Jesus to be the substitute to stand in our place and pay for all that crap so that we didn't have to Not only so that we didn't have to pay for our sin, but so that we could rise up, hold our head high, and know that we have been called according to His purpose and given a plan for our lives to give other people a hope and a future. Remember this. Don't ever forget this today. You are not sitting in this chair today still breathing air on earth because God's bored and He just wants to watch us flail and suffer. You are still here. The only reason, if, you, if you've accepted this gift I just described, which we say all the time is handing over the keys of Jesus Christ, or handing over the keys of our lives to Jesus Christ, it means like, God, I believe all that. And I'm grateful for it. I'm humbled by it, and I'm in. I want to be a follower of Christ. If you've done that, the only reason you're not sitting in heaven today is because there's stuff God has for you to do on this earth. And 99.9% of that, no, scratch that, 100% of that has to do with helping other people meet Jesus. That's what you're here for. It's the only reason you're still here. That's why this church exists. That's why we take five weeks to explain all this, that biblical authority and intentional outreach and gifted service and authentic relationships and excellent environments. The only reason we do all that is so that people can meet the Jesus that died for them. That's it. And the question is, do you believe in that? And do you want to be a part of that? Not just here on Sunday mornings, but in every area of your daily life are you in. Let's pray. God, it it feels so overwhelming sometimes for me to think that you would love me, Steve Ferris, because I know me. I know how broken I am. It blows my mind that you would love me enough to send your only son to stand in my place and to give me a clean slate, a do-over, an opportunity to live a life of purpose and hope and peace and joy and strength. You did that, God. And I'm so grateful. That 33 years ago, you looked on a little 15-year-old boy and went, I did that for you so that you didn't have to think about anger and emptiness and loneliness anymore. When those things come into my life, I measure them against the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. I don't live in despair thinking those things will never go away. So with heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room today, Here's my challenge for us today. If you heard that message about God sending His only Son to die for your sins and give you a hope and a future, and you've never accepted that gift, if you've never handed over the keys of your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be that day. Please don't leave this building today without coming to talk to me or one of our staff people or one of the people that have one of these blue shirts on and saying, I need to understand more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Tell me what it means to hand over the keys. They'll tell you. If you have already done that, if you have have already handed over the keys, if you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then my challenge for you today is to figure out excellent ways to help other people have the same hope that you have in every area of your life. God, thank you for the truth of your word and for do-overs and for a good plan and just for being a good God. We praise you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name.